It's time for JT the Brick. Big Boy Radio. And we're going balls out. Are you with me on this? Do me a favor and surprise me today. Shot down the field. Wide open Adams. Has it at the 20. 10-yard line. Goodbye. Touchdown Raiders. You can't say they're rebuilding with Max Crosby, Chandler Jones, and Devontae. Down to five on the play clock. Gets the snap. Hands off to Jacob. Stutters to the right. First through the whole 20. 25-30. He's off to the races. Here in Seattle, nobody's going to catch him. 25-20. Tellin. Full game. JT the Brick. You don't bring in Jimmy Garoppolo if you're rebuilding. I want to go get a ring, get the silver and black back to where it should be. I am ready to go. Wake up this town. Did I miss anything? Call and let's see what you got. And now, woo, here's JT the Brick. Out of the gate, JT, as we open up the show live in studio today on the flagship of the silver and black Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. And on that... Beautiful Raiders mobile app. Uh, tell everybody to download it, click on the radio when you get the show live as we open up today. Back from my trip to New York, thanks to Harry Ruiz for sitting in for me. Really appreciate that. I had a big family wedding. My nephew got married, was able to check the boxes, see my mom and dad, my sisters, all my cousins, my nieces and nephews. And supposed to get back at a reasonable hour last night, but this is America in 2023. And a four-hour delay. An hour circling around Kingman, Arizona, as my son woke me up at like one in the morning. And I said, we did not land yet. He says, no, Dad, we are circling around Kingman for the last hour because I guess some wildfire smoke in Vegas that I wasn't aware of because I had my head down on this trip. So for those who travel for a living, for those who travel to see their families, for those, I'm just happy I got home. I walked in the door at 2.35 in the morning. Uh, last night, just happy I was home. A matter of fact, I want to just share this quickly because we have a big city. A lot of people come here for sporting events, concerts, tourism. I don't know how you do it anymore. I really don't. We encourage everyone who flies into these games. Everybody cannot afford to do it. The airline tickets are up in price. The hotel rooms are through the roof. But just getting home with a four-hour delay, I felt happy. Because I felt like I was going to be left at JFK and they were just going to cancel my flight at 8 o'clock. At about 9.30 at night, I just thought they were going to go canceled and I wouldn't be here today. So getting home is a blessing when you can get home. And last night was the only night in my career coming to Vegas since it's been in the late 80s and moving here in the 90s where you land at 1.35 in the morning. The entire airport, Bobby, was packed. Normally you land at 1.30 in the morning. There's no one in the airport. Every gate in the D terminal. Had a hundred people in line trying to change flights. I guess a whole bunch of flights got canceled. Whole bunch of people looking to get out of here. And normally you don't see anybody. It's a ghost town at one in the morning, packed as we went to the garage to come home last night. So enough of my travel. The travel was pretty good. Great to see New York City again. I was in the city yesterday with my wife and two sons, which was great and had a really good time. Went out to Long Island where I grew up, saw my boyhood, childhood friends since grade school. And my nephew had a beautiful wedding, beautiful bride, great wedding. Uh, That was all good. So I am ready to roll. It's Raider Nation Radio. And here we go today as the first padded practice, Brandon Faison went down with an injury, was carted off the field. We'll find out when we find out. Reports from several insiders were it did not look good at the time. So that is news because there's no doubt that Faison's going to play. And he's competing to be a starter now that Marcus Peters is here. Nate Hobbs, presumably, in the slot. He got injured in a charity softball game, getting hit in the face and missed 
I won't say considerable time, but he's missed a lot of the early portion of camp, and now we find out this about Faison. Fortunately, I think Dave Ziegler's done a really good job of stocking, stocking the cornerback room. I don't know how great these guys are. As you know, if you listen to my show for 25 minutes or now 25 years, I don't spend a lot of time on the depth chart. I don't, until they give me the final depth chart, and then I go, okay, here's going to play. I don't do a lot of let's do an hour on radio for the fifth cornerback. Never been my thing. I don't care much about it. I have to dive into it more so this year for the game broadcast. But, again, I think these guys all deserve a fight to make the team. I don't discount that. I don't discount that, but I know good sports radio. And good sports talk radio is not getting people to turn the channel because I'm diving into the ineptness of the NCAA tournament, and I'm spending the first 10 minutes talking about a 64 or 62 or 58 seed. I don't do radio that way. I don't talk about most baseball teams. Funny, my Yankees seem to be out of it. I don't talk about irrelevant sports stories because I only have you for a few hours a day. So I want to talk about the big boy stuff. As Dave Ziegler laughs when he sees me, big boy radio. I want to talk about who's going to play, who's going to start, who could be a pro bowler, who can help this team win as I left you last week and all of the national media, all the national media has the Raiders winning four, five, six games max. Some have the ball saying they're only going to win three. Okay, that's where we are. That is real. That is bleeping real right now. Often people say, oh, JT, I love listening to your show because you protect us. You tell us what everybody's saying about us. Yeah, I think I do that well. Now I just throw a blanket around everything. They all think we suck. We, I'm a season ticket holder. I could say we. They all think we suck. We're not even competitive. And I think we have a really good football team. There's a lot of good players on this team. As will be my talk throughout the entire preseason from the 49er game, Cowboy game, and the Ram game, this is a team that is not loaded because they're not loaded on defense. But they're absolutely a freak show and loaded on special teams with the kicker and the punter, and they're loaded on offense. So for whatever reason, the national media does not have this memo. They're just saying, I don't know who these guys are. I don't think they're very good. The Raiders aren't going to be very productive. They're blank years away. They need this. They're going to lose and tank. They're going to lose and tank for Caleb Williams. It's all over the place. So I'm a radio host. I need something. I need something with juice. When I get on the air every day, the big juice that I have for the rest of the preseason is they think you suck. They think you're uncompetitive. Some think you're an embarrassment. I don't. I don't. I really believe with Devontae, Hunter, Jacoby, Michael Mayer, who reportedly got really bullied and pushed around by Max today. Max was putting him through the ringer, which is a good thing. And then to take a look at the rest, if Tyree Wilson comes back scheduled on time, ready to go, Chandler Jones activates his legs and is ready to play to start the season, not week 10, but he's ready to go week one with Epps and Merrig in the backfield with Marcus Peters, whoever's going to be the other corner. What they're trying to do, they picked up another linebacker from Kansas City I'll get into, that the team is noticeably better. And as one Raider insider told me, This has a chance of being a special draft class if Tucker ends up being what Ruggs was supposed to be. Ruggs was really developing into a nice player. Ruggs was going to be great when the incident happened. And when that happened, we we all lost an impact number one, number one deep threat forever. And now you get a couple other guys who are coming in here 
who are pretty good competing for the fifth and sixth wide receiver position. I'll roll up my sleeves and get into that one because I think that's pretty good. So I think the team's pretty good because the only thing I could I can die on the – you know, Bobby, I always say I don't want to die on the hill for that. I'm not going to die on the hill for woke politics. I'm not going to die on the hill for anything that has to do with certain topics that are just not worth me losing my income and family for. But I'll tell you one of the things that I'll die on the Raider Hill for – is this offense staying on the field with Jimmy G being precision and accurate in moving the balls? And as Hank Stram said, matriculating the ball down the field to use the clock, the running game of Josh Jacobs and Zeus, who trucked some people today, and to do all that and to really see this team surprise teams because of their offense. If this wasn't a very good offense, okay, they get rid of Carr, they don't get Garoppolo, they're developing a young quarterback, it's Brian Hoyer or it's Jared Stidham. Could have been Jared Stidham being the starter here. Then we would have had problems. But with Garoppolo, and I know everybody's evaluating every deep ball he throws and reportedly had a nice bounce-back day from the previous practice where he had his first, I wouldn't say bad practice, I wasn't there for that, but he wasn't completely locked in. Today, we're seeing someone who was locked in and the short passing game should be a strength of this team. And if I didn't have that to say then I probably, I wouldn't say it on the record here, but I'd be understanding why people are saying four or five wins. I, I get that. They'd say four or five wins. Carr's gone. We don't have Jimmy Garoppolo. We have Jared Stidham. We're kind of f- trying to figure this out. We're looking towards next year's quarterback draft. That's not the case. That is not the case at all. The case now is to go out and, and have these guys play at a very high level and for the offense to stay on the field. The only topic I'll die on the Raider Hill for, the Hill, is that the Raiders will stay on the field so our first guest, Jason Horowitz, the play-by-play voice, can say a fresh first and ten. He was out at the padded practice. What do you think today? How about the physicality? How are you? Hey, JT, what's happening? Uh, first and foremost, how was the 60th anniversary party? Uh, everything was good. I was for my parents. Thank you for that. And then I had my nephew's wedding. I was in Manhattan yesterday, Bryant Park, uh, McSorley's with my son, going all around the city. Uh, a, a dicey flight getting back. I had a mispractice because I came in too late today, but a beautiful time back in your ne- neck of the woods. Yeah. How you loving yeah. it here? Tell me about your stay here in Vegas. I will tell you that when you told me last week that 108 and 115 feel different, I disagree with that. Uh, <laughs> but when you when you step out of off the plane and you get 102 and it's 9:30 at night, you're like, ugh. Uh, but co- listen, it's been good. Yesterday, indoor practice, it's been great to see everybody again. Get to see the coaching staff, get the players, and then put the pads on today. Um, there were some skirmishes yesterday without pads. There were some today. I would say Max probably started most of those. Um, but, uh, you know, they're getting it going, you know, they're getting some hits. There's been some transactions already. So you got a lot of different stuff going on. Yeah. I like what's happening here overall. I wanted to get your analysis now with Garoppolo because everybody's going to, he's going to get a day off often here and there throughout camp. I think he should because of coming off a procedure, but when he had a, a day indoors that wasn't completely locked in, but then today he makes some good throws as the play-by-play voice of this team. What are you seeing with Garoppolo? and just his overall comfort zone with this team and kind of looking off defenders and finding open guys. What have you seen? So a couple of different things. Yet, you know, there were a lot of uh, our colleagues who cover this team who yesterday were very adamant that that he was off and didn't look very good. 
And then today, talking with those same people on the field, who and they've seen all the OTAs and all that stuff, and I'm like, you know, today looks great. And they're agreed. Like you, he, he, I believe the phrase that our friend Paul Gutierrez from ESPN.com said was, "He's uh, he's bringing it today. Or has something extra today um, because he looks sharp today." But I, I don't know, JT. I, I mean, look, you've been through a lot of these years. You've been covering the team for a long time. You've seen a lot of training camps. I mean, heck, last year in preseason, you we were four and zero. I, I don't take a ton from these practices where they're just getting going and they're, and they're, and you know, they're not, it's not game action. It's not, how do you bounce back from a mistake? It's not any of that stuff. They're running through it. So I look, he made a lot of great throws. There was one down the left sideline to Jacoby Myers who made a wonderful outstretched grab. He had beaten, I don't know, Sam Webb, somebody, I'm not positive who it was. And it was a great throw and a great catch. Um, but you know, it's not. It's not. There's nobody trying to tackle it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's nobody trying to make a sack. So it's it's, it's take it as as you can. Jason Horowitz is our guest, voice of the Raiders. So Max has high high motor and high energy, and knowing Max this long. I think Max understands the fact that no one needs to get hurt. And I know Faison went off, and we'll wait for an update officially from the Raiders. But yeah. if Max is putting Michael Mayer through the meat grinder and really giving this kid a welcome to the NFL. I like that because the physicality of Max, the leadership, how verbal he is going forward, they're only going to get so many padded practices, as you know. And I think you and I are probably on the same page. It's not like the old days where the padded practices were really physical padded practices that Max has got to get this defense energy-wise up and ready to play in these few opportunities they have to put on pads. I think that's fair, and I think also even more so, remember, those guys aren't going to play in the pre- I mean, I expect those guys not to play in the preseason, right? So mm-hmm. I think all of those things are, are totally fair. Uh, and, and, and for Michael Mayer, um, you know, they, they were doing some stuff today where they were doing goal line offense, right? Maybe, you know, call it second and goal from the two, third and goal from the one, that type of thing. And they're in a tight formation with a couple of tight ends, and the offensive line uh, and the tight ends, at least from those that you're talking about, where Michael Mayer kind of seemed like he was on the ground a little bit longer, um, they couldn't get a push. The defense was getting stops. They were getting they were getting the guys down without giving up the touchdown. So I think if you're a defensive guy and that's what you're looking at, at least from today, that's encouraging, right? You know, Bilal Nichols made a bunch of plays, mm-hmm. um, which which is great. So so I think from that perspective, you know, you do want Max, you know, and he's. Look, there's family members here. There's fans here today. He is running all over the field. He's chirping it up with the fans. He's going over to talk to the family. You know, he's he's trying to keep everybody engaged and all that energy and that motor nonstop for two hours. Um, and he's, you know, he's the he's the leader of this team. You know, there's a few, but he's clearly the leader of this team. Jason Horowitz, as we wrap it up, he was live at padded practice today. And he's excited this year for a lot of reasons because, as I know, when you're at home and you're commuting and you're traveling and you take in a lot of content, not a lot of the mass national media giving the Raiders any respect. I'm not talking about love. I love that. I, I don't. I don't think Kay Adams. I don't know anybody who said, you know, I like the Raiders over the number. I like the Raiders to do it. I think the Raiders are on the verge of taking the next step. Why do you think so many members of the media and some that you know are just on the downside? of this team, considering all the talent that you and I are prepping for, and we know how deep they are in the improvements that they made. What's missing here? So I think it's three things. I think, number one, um, I don't think there's a lot of national love, respect, appreciation for Jimmy Garoppolo. So I think that's one. 
Um, number two, there were all of those expectations for the play- team last year coming off the playoffs in 2021, and they went six and eleven. And 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 I think you and I are very well aware that the amount of games that came to the two minute warning or could go either way. I mean, that's 15 of the 17 games that were came down to the two minute warning. So six and eleven could have easily been ten and seven or eleven and six, but it wasn't. So I think that's number two. And then number three, you know, this defense has not been good for a long time, and there weren't any splashy mm-hmm. free agent signings to go to that defense to make it better. Um, but there are guys from the draft that they hope are going to be the foundation pieces for years to come. Tyree Wilson, Byron Young, those are two of their top three draft picks. And on the defensive line, and if those guys are as good as you know this front office hopes they're going to be, then you've got the building blocks to something special when you put those guys with Max Crosby. And, you know, Marcus Epps, I think, is a stabilizer back there. Um, but, it, you know, there were a lot of people who assumed that this team was going to sign a splashy free agent corner. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we did last week in Marcus Peters, but Marcus Peters isn't 25, 26. Yeah. Marcus Peters is 30 and two years ago in ACL. And last year, he didn't have a five interception season. He had a one interception season. Um, that doesn't mean he can't be that guy from two, three years or from three, four years ago, but we have to see. So I think you throw all those things together and that's why I think a lot of people think this is going to be a five, six win football team. But if they are in games down to the two minute warning and you're talking about half uh, of last year's games that went the other direction, go this direction. You're talking about a team that's fighting for the playoffs all year. Yeah, uh, that's a really good point. We're wrapping it up. Two more for Jason Horowitz. You nailed it there. They have got to be in these games late. And they, to me, the big issue with their mentality this time of year, and again, I don't know how many of them watch NFL Live or they watch Good Morning Football, but when they hear all this trash talk about the fact that they're not going to win a lot of games, I disagree because I think they have to be in games heading into the fourth quarter, and that's where Garoppolo, Garoppolo's won 70% of his games and yeah. and four playoff games because Garoppolo from the end of the third quarter till overtime or regulation seems to put the team in a position to win. Now, Zamir White, this is going to be a really good camp for him, and we pray he stays healthy because I don't expect to see Josh Jacobs back anytime soon. What have you seen with him and his size and what's changed last year? Because I remember you and I talking about him last year, and what would we see? We didn't see anything from him last year because Josh didn't want to come off the field. Yeah, no, we didn't. I mean, there's a couple of runs that stand out where he had explosive plays. But, I, I, I mean, I, I would say if we go back and look at all of Zamir White's, I think he had 30 or some carries, um, I, I think most of those were two yards or less. And so... They they didn't get production. He's a fourth round running back, but I, you go back to what he did at Georgia, um, and and he is a guy that can be explosive if given the opportunity. Um, but I'm also wondering if look, he's getting all the one reps right now. Um, but I think we should also see what happens with some of the others. Sincere McCormick is a guy that was drafted by this regime last year. It wasn't talked about a whole lot because he didn't play last year. He tore his ACL in May, I believe, of last year, and so he was put on the IR before we even got to training camp. But he's a guy that it was this regime that drafted, so that's someone that I think we should remember for training camp and for, for preseason games. Mm-hmm. You and I watched Britton Brown in the preseason last year. Yeah, uh, I, think, I think he led the NFL in rushing yards. Now, he had a lot of carries. I don't remember what the yards per carry was, but he's a guy that this regime drafted last year. So, so there's guys in the backfield along with Samir White that um, – 
that that they like. Mm-hmm. And so it's just a matter of fact of who produces the most with, you know, Abir Abdullah and whether or not Brandon Bolden and all those guys are part of it. We'll find out. But but I think that state is, is very similar, JT, to a lot of the position groups going over the next 12, 14, 16 practices. They brought in a lot of corners. Mm-hmm. They're not all going to make the team. Which, yes. You know, and there's a lot of guys that are four, five, six years in the league. There's only draw spots for three of them. They brought in a lot of receivers who have been in the league for a long time. Again, like there's 10 or 11 on the roster. There's only room for three of them. So, so it's just a matter of which of those guys they see to help this team in, in different areas. Well, we saw that with Faison going down today. you got to assume Ja'Korian Bennett is going to play a lot. And then when you look at Amik Robertson, David Long Jr., Duke Shelley, yeah. all these guys, one of them's got to pop. And we got to hope that Marcus Peters stays healthy. Last one, all summer long, for some summer content, I'm building the all-time Raiders team. Every position group, the listeners have been fantastic. They're chiming in. Today I start at wide receiver. And the only thing I'm going to ask you on this, because everybody knows Tim Brown, Bolitnikoff Branch, but then there's a lot of other names. And I'm struggling with Rice and Devontae. Jerry Rice is the greatest wide receiver of all time, and there's no one in second. He's run away from the crowd. Yeah. And Randy Moss is not going to be on this list because he just didn't want to be a Raider, and he was really bad at being a Raider. But Devontae, I had Max in the conversation. I had Josh Jacobs when I got to running backs. But people are telling me, pushing back, well, how do you put Jerry Rice in there? He didn't play long. Well, Jerry's got a gold jacket, and he was a Raider. He did play, and he was productive, and played in the Super Bowl, which means he played in the playoff games and the regular season games leading to that. And I'm just leaning towards Devontae. Because with the chatter saying, and it was false chatter, he might want to trade and all this. If Devontae plays here, if, three, four, five years, he is going to leapfrog a lot of 20 or 30 Raider receivers and be one of the all-time greats. What should, how should I look at Devontae and Rice as I put this group together? So, as an outsider, mm-hmm. uh, well, who's now an insider, <laughs> right. my, I think most you know, obviously, because he played so long there, but you, have, you picture Jerry Rice and you picture him as a Niner, and you remember that he was opposite Tim Brown on that team that, that played against the Buccaneers in the Super Bowl, and he was productive. So what, as you were giving that setup, JT, because mm-hmm. um, I've never been asked that question before, I was thinking along the same lines with you about Devontae Adams in that he just had one of the greatest single seasons ever by a Raiders receiver. Um uh, and, 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 and if he is continuing on the pace that he is at, he's also going to be wearing a gold jacket. And he's going to be wearing a gold jacket maybe as a Raider. Because remember, he, won, he grew up as a Raiders fan. He wants to be a Raider. So uh, I'm with you. That's, my gut would lean in that direction. I think it's a little bit of recency bias, but mm-hmm. also because of just how many years Jerry Rice had in San Francisco. Um, but... But I don't know. I mean, Devontae last year, and I, I got to go back to you. I'm not looking at my notes right now, but I mean, he just had a year where he's top five in like 10 different wide receiver categories yeah. all time for single season. Um, and I, I don't think there's any reason to believe that that can't happen again this year. Yeah, it's They're going to need it to happen again this year. Yeah, you, you, you nailed it. I mean, look, James Lofton, James Lofton, Jerry Rice. I mean, there's guys who played for the Raiders and were very productive, but they played for such— what about Like, where, did, where do you pick, put, like, the guys like Art Powell from high. the 60s? Like, yeah. Well, high. It might be first team. I'm looking for four starters, four reserves. Starting today, uh, Warren Wells and Art Powell are really high up on the list, and I talk to Gold Jackets off the record on these topics, and I'm on a text thread with them. 
and pretty much every one of them had Art Powell. And he was, uh, I mean, I would think he's got to be ahead of Devontae and Jerry right now, no? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Just but, longevity and, mm-hmm. like, you know, all of those teams in the 60s and building with Al Davis, like, I, he's got to be on those, right? That's why that's why we're having the discussion, and you you are the voice of the Raiders, and I will keep you updated with the results on Twitter. <laughs> I will see you tomorrow. Uh, we'll catch up tomorrow on the field or in the building, and uh, look forward to a lot of radio with you this year at your convenience. You got it, my friend. Talk to you. Yeah, there he is, Jason Horowitz, voice of the Raiders. You know, it it's, might be a bit of a reach here, but I, I told everybody this back in the day when he got this job. Welcome, this guy. He's a really good guy. He's a really good broadcaster in multiple sports, and now he's the voice of the Raiders. You don't have to compare him to Greg Papa and Bill King and all that. He just started, and I thought he did a really good job last year under adverse times. He had to call five games where the Raiders had double-digit leads that they lost. Does anybody remember Jason Horowitz screwing that up? or doing? No, he did everything fine. He really did a nice job, and he's building his career now with the Raiders, and I think everybody who gets a chance to follow him on Twitter or reach out to him or see him at the games at the Torch should welcome him in here because uh, that's what we do here with the Silver and Black. All right, so when it gets to receivers, that's what I wanted to tease today. The rest of the show today and tomorrow is the greatest Raiders wide receivers of all time. It's time for the Raiders Radio All-Time Raiders Team. The best of the best at every position. The greatest Raider team of all time. The Raiders Radio All-Time Raiders Team. Today's position, wide receivers. All right, so this is going to be complicated, just like running backs. Remember running backs? I I had to separate fullbacks and running backs and halfbacks. That was complicated. You know, a lot of people said to me, where do you put Mark Van Egan? He was a halfback, but he played fullback. You know, where do you put certain players? It was not easy. This, to me, is difficult because of Rice, Jerry Rice, and Devontae. I'm not going to put Jerry Rice on the Raiders' all-time team at wide receiver. But Jerry Rice is the greatest receiver of all time. So it sounds weird coming out of my mouth. How do you not have him there? Because he's the greatest 49er wide receiver of all time. He's not the greatest Raiders. But he played in some big games with the Raiders and was highly productive. Devontae, same thing. I had Max on the defensive end list, and Max was there. I had Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack was there. Where do we put Devontae? We're having fun. We're not turning this into the Smithsonian audio division when we're done. So all the regulars who have been chiming in, get in on this, 702-365-9200. Let's get some more participation on this. We're down to wide receivers and quarterbacks on Monday. Next Monday, it's quarterbacks, and then we're finished with the Raiders' all-time team. So today I'm looking at wide receiver. Who are the four, four greatest Raider wide receivers of all time and the four reserves? We have room for eight. I'm going to throw in, no doubt, an honorable mention for James Jett, Jerry Porter, even though a lot of people, whoever it is, Michael Crabtree, I'm going to mention them all. That's my job. But who do you have as the first four and the second four as we open up the show? I think it's been an unbelievable promotion. Bobby's put a lot of work into this, and a lot of people are participating. 702-365-9200. We got Jeff Sherman over at the Westgate on the new NFL odds. So that's going to come up here in about 15 minutes. And then the rest of the show... We'll talk. We're waiting on the uh, face-on injury update if we're going to get one, and then we'll get into the Raiders' all-time team at wide receivers. Brought to you by PTs, the best happy hour in town.
third and ten. Four-man rush. Gannon over the middle. Porter. Touchdown. A strike from Gannon. 22 yards to Jerry Porter. And that's what he gives them in this offense. The chance to get a big play. Look at Bobby pulling out a Jerry Porter as we build the Raiders' all-time team. At wide receiver, first day of padded practice. If you're out there, if you're a fan, you've been going to practice, tell me about it. If you're a fan of the Raiders, this is their flagship all over the globe. We're not just a radio station in Vegas. We're the flagship of the Raiders that does a lot of sports, including letting you know Justin Verlander is getting traded back to the Astros from the Mets. So the Mets are now selling. My Yankees should sell. Uh, all the other baseball news that is out there, we'll get into that. Uh, we're talking about which Raiders should be there in the top four receivers. I'll get into Cliff Branch's birthday today. Raiders put that out. I cannot believe Cliff isn't here. If Cliff was here, I'd have him on the phone. I, re- I really would. Cliff would have been in studio and on the phone. Wow, that's still tough. Whenever you see the date that Cliff passed away or the date he was born or his induction into the Hall of Fame, I get pretty emotional. Cliff Branch had a big impact on my life. Uh, we'll talk about Warren Wells. We already had a caller on Art Powell, a two-time first-team All-AFL in 60 and 63. The other years, he was second-team. He was a four-time AFL All-Star from 63 through 66. He led the AFL in receiving yards twice in 62 and 63. He's on the all-time AFL team, like Jim Otto was. And Art Powell is going to get heavy consideration to be one of the four. When it comes to the top four, Warren Wells, you know James Lofton, the, the guys who didn't play long, it's easier to leave them off this list. It really is. If a guy played wide receiver for one year or two years and they were really good, like Jerry Rice, I'm going to consider Jerry Rice. But we know that Jerry Rice, if we leave Jerry Rice off or we put Jerry Rice as an honorable mention, I don't want people freaking out. What are you talking about here? We're trying to have a conversation. This is a Raider Raider debate. And if you want to include their all-time performances, you know, I had that same decision we had to make with Ronnie Lott, and I made the decision with Rod Woodson and Ronnie Lott. Where do you put them at safeties? They're two of the top four safeties or five to ever play. Rod played multiple positions. Rod's one of the top 25 players of all time. All time. Not on defense to ever play. But we include them in the conversations. We give out honorable mentions. So let's hear from some fans who know the history of the Raiders and others. And if you want to talk about this depth chart and what the Raiders have done here in the last couple of days, Darius Harris uh, comes over from Middle Tennessee, played with the Chiefs. I think he got two Super Bowl rings, even though he was injured for one of them. Uh, got their last one. He comes over to add depth at the linebacker position. A guy who knows the Chiefs system inside and out. That's important. I want to know more about the Chiefs system inside and out. So the Raiders are trying to add some depth and trying to get more linebackers here. And is Dave Ziegler done yet? Or does he have one more magic trick for us on getting one more good player? I thought he would last year. He didn't on the offensive line. They went with seven guys. They rotated them in. This year, I'm look, I'm wondering if he's going to stop at linebacker or does he have one more linebacker that he's targeting as the roster gets cut from 90 down to 53 and he's got the guy already. He's got the guy. He knows who the guy is going to be. That's going to be his first call. Uh, we'll see how that plays out. 702-365-9200. Let's wake some people up here. Okay, I'm back on the microphone. Let's wake some fans up here and get going. Raider Dave in Denver. Thank God I'm on the radio in Denver, not in Las Vegas. Raider Dave, thanks for listening. Go ahead. 
Hey, man, I've been waiting for this. This is a blast. I, I think receivers is probably the most fun, and I hope everybody chimes in. You know, of course, the top four are Brown, Blitnikoff, Branch, and, and James Jett, you know, or Art Powell. Either one, you could throw either one in there. But let's not forget guys like Mervin Fernandez, mm-hmm. Warren Wells. I mean, these guys just really played hard. Clem Daniels did a lot, too. And people might be amazed that the seventh all-time receiving yards on the list is Marcus Allen. Now, I know you're probably yeah. not going to put him in there, yeah. but you know Marcus Allen was such an athlete, he could have played wide receiver for anybody in the NFL and probably still would have made it to the Hall of Fame. But, you know, no matter who played with Blitnikoff, and, and him and Branch are only like 300 yards apart in their career, there was a guy that epitomized the toughness of the old-school Raiders that I loved to watch as a kid, and he was the other side when Blitnikoff was getting all the throws. And it was Mike Ciani. Yes. I mean, when you had people like Mel Blunt trying to tear your head off, that guy showed what it took to really be a wide receiver across the middle of the NFL. Have a great day. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for the call. Appreciate it. Thanks for the call as we continue on. Uh, look, I, I'm not going to have James Jett on the first team. James Jett is not going to get over Warren Wells or our pal. He's not. He's a very good player. Mervin Fernandez or Jett on the second team is a really interesting, interesting discussion. I don't know where I am on that yet. That's why I host this radio show. So other people can come in and tell me, well, you know, I think I think you move them ahead. Or you have them behind. I don't know. I, I saw James Jet play. I was around for that. I wasn't around for Warren Wells and Art Powell. And I know these players and Willie Galt, Willie Galt put up some significant numbers for the Raiders. Does Willie Galt make the second team? But when you look at Branch, Brown, and Bolitnikov, I could sit here and do an hour and a half just on Bolitnikov and Branch. And I'd like to get a call or two on Freddie. Right? I talk to Freddie every day. He's like a second dad to me. I'd love to get a call on how good Freddie was. But we don't have to. We talk to Fred all the time. We know Fred's on the first team. We know Tim Brown's on the first team. We have that. The question is, how do I build out the rest of the players here? Because there's a lot of good players who played this position. Hardcore Raider joins us. Thanks for calling. What's happening? Hey, how's it going? I'm doing well. What's happening? Uh, real quick on the wide receivers, I just want to say, uh, as much as I love Jerry Rice, there's no way he can be part of the top list. I mean, everybody mm-hmm. remembers him as a 49er. I appreciate everything he did for us trying to help us get a Super Bowl victory. But I agree with that. And then I do think Devontae Adams should be thrown in there, just if you look at some of the spectacular catches he caught last year. Okay, so hold on. Let me let me, let me me stop you for a second, which is I really appreciate what you're saying. You don't want to include Jerry Rice. You want to include Devontae Adams. Well, I think Devontae Adams is going to be a Raider, hopefully, okay. for a long All right. time. Just, so that's, just that's, throwing that's, it out. That's my anticipation. Okay. Like, you know, and then, of course, Tim Brown. I love Tim Brown. Cliff Branch. Uh, you know, you got to throw, uh, obviously, Tim Brown in there. And then lastly, I just want to throw out, you know, if we're doing the Raiders' ultimate team, I would highly encourage you or us to do a show to end it with the coaches because mm-hmm. I don't see how we can have Raiders' ultimate team if we don't throw yeah. some coaches in there too. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Appreciate the call. I mean, I, why why would I do head coaches? It's Madden Flores unless you want to do Al Davis who coached. You know, I I, I don't I don't really we, that's a really interesting point because we haven't put in the all time coaches because I don't think it's necessary. It was Madden and Flores. Combined for the three Super Bowls. There's been some good coaches. I'm a big John Gruden guy over the years, as you know. Yeah, look at Bill Callahan taking a team to a Super Bowl. The beginning of the team, who was around. To me, that's not a huge debatable topic. This topic's debatable. 
so I can use this as, as summer content. Remember, summer radio. We can't do this again next year. Holy crap, what are we going to do? <laughs> Not have the all-time teams. You know, maybe, maybe a vacation, more vacation. I don't know. But I got guys that I want to talk about. Ronald Curry, Mike Ciani, Mervin, Swervin, Mervin Fernandez. You know who's around the organization a lot now? Andre Risen, Denarius Moore, Doki Williams. I got the list. Zay Jones. I love Jacoby Ford and the way he played. Lewis Murphy. They're not going to be on the all-time team, but I want to mention their names for all of our listeners. Jeff Sherman will give us a quick hit over at the Westgate. We'll see where the Raider numbers are and what's gravitating with season win totals when it comes to the NFL. Aaron Rodgers cracked back at Sean Payton. I love that. I love it. I'm going to play that sound coming up next. I have a lot to say. And I was wrong about the fight. I love Bud Crawford, but I thought Earl Spence would win in the decision. I was completely wrong and dominated like Spence. I'll clean that up also. Complete with France and what a move. Goodbye. Goodbye. There are no flags down. Is that wild? That happened fast. 319 still left in the game. Cliff Grant, who was a 9-3 sprinter in his days at the University of Colorado, and he gets the running room, you can write it off. He can really motor. Uh, Frank Gifford, Howard Cosell on a Cliff Branch touchdown. Where in God's name are you going to hear that other than this show? Fantastic job, Bobby. JT, turn it up as we're building the Raiders' all-time team at the wide receiver position. Very deep category. Deep, fun conversation today and tomorrow. Give me your starting four and your four reserves. We'll also include some honorable mentions as we do as I head out to the Westgate. Senior VP of Risk Management, our good friend Jeff Sherman, joins us. And, Jeff, it's been a bit. Let me jump in on Joe Burrow going down initially with his injury. How did that affect Cincinnati, Super Bowl odds, odds to win the AFC, et cetera? Yeah, we made some minor adjustments because we're not hearing that he's going to be out too long. Maybe just to start the the year it might affect him a week or two. Uh, So we took the week one line where it's Bengals at the Browns and lowered it from uh, Cincinnati minus 2.5 down to 1.5. Uh, the Super Bowl odds went up from eight to one to ten to one on the Bengals. Their season win total went down a half a win. We're at eleven and a half under minus one thirty. We went eleven flat because eleven and a half is such a large number. And in case the injury were to linger a little bit, so we made some minor adjustments. Nothing major though. Mm-hmm. Do we expect? I mean, it'll be the public jumping in when they watch Hard Knocks and Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Rodgers cracks back at Sean Payton, and is there anything you could tell us about that? Because I just got back from New York last night, and I'm telling you, I was in the city, I was on Long Island, everybody's talking Jets, and most of my buddies who are Jet fans are completely buying in. Yeah, it's funny because uh, even with the hard knocks and the more talk about them, but their odds keep drifting out. We're up to 18-1 to 1 now. You know, mm. after the Rodgers trade happened, we lowered them all the way to 12-1, to 1, anticipating just a, a ton of support for them, but... Um, it's been on other teams, so that we've eased them out to 18-1 to and seen money show up elsewhere. Jeff Sherman's our guest over at the Westgate. For the Raiders, it's the same thing. What is the myth behind Raider fans 
pumping in smaller bets, but doing it in volume. Like the Ra- I heard stories back in the day, Raiders Super Bowl at playoffs that you know Raider fans used to fly over California, race over to where gaming was legal, put those twenties and fifties and five dollar bets on. What are the Raider fans biting on now with the number that you have at the Westgate, considering they're getting killed by the national media? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're our number one uh, ticket count leader, number one Ooh. in our liability. Uh, we're sitting at 80 to 1 on them. Uh, and so we're getting a lot of those small tickets, like you mentioned, and it just keeps adding up at those odds. Uh, but the Sharps have been playing their season win total down. And some places open 7.5. We opened 7, but the market is pretty much 6.5 with the under-favored. So the national spotlight, which you talked about, where they're getting hammered on, you're seeing that type of play under on the win total. But on the outrights for the, the Super Bowl odds, you're seeing the small tickets add up. Yeah, the small. So six and a half. So the Raiders got to win seven to cash that ticket below that. And, you know, if they're stuck on six wins or five wins, which I'm seeing a lot of the national media talking about that. And there's not, there's not like the Raiders are going to make a critical signing coming up here. So where do you anticipate that Raiders season total, win total to end up uh, as we kick off a week one? I think you're going to continue to see under support for it. Uh, and right now we're sitting, like I mentioned, under minus 150. And I could see the price getting heavier on that side because it's just been uh, nothing but sharp money on that. The public hasn't been involved with the over on that, just mm-hmm. the, the longer odds for the season, uh, the Super Bowl, the conference, et cetera, even Got the it. division. But the Sharps are still keying in under six and a half, thinking seven's a lot. And uh, it's just been one way on this. Uh, What's changed with Kansas City? They lose players, they bring them back. They lose players, they bring new ones in who fit in. Any movement on the Chiefs when it comes to the AFC Super Bowl odds division? What can you tell us about Kansas City? Uh, Just a little bit of more favorable support for the Chiefs. We're as high as 7-1 on them. They're the 6-1 favor right now, just ahead of the Eagles at 7. So the support continues to come in on the Chiefs. Their win total is so high at 12 that Mm -hmm. you're not seeing too much on that. Uh, you know, it's it's tough to uh, when you put up a, a large number like that. You tend not to see so much involvement on it. It's it's just such a not large number to go over. But um, every other option, as far as the division, the conference, the Super Bowl, you definitely see the Chiefs support. Wrapping it up with Jeff Sherman. What about the Sharps on the under for Denver? De- Denver fascinates me every year. The free money that the books got, your book got on everybody betting Denver, the over, everybody bleeping falls in love nationally they hate the Raiders they love Denver at this time of year and then Sean Payton's popping off on Aaron Rodgers where's the support on the Denver Broncos season win total we've seen a lot of two-way we're at eight and a half flat and it's been getting a lot of two-way on that one Mm -hmm. really splitting people's opinions and you know just the year that they had and then the anticipation of this year like you mentioned with Payton and saying he's going to turn things around uh, so it's 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 really been a, a solid number for us, getting a lot of two-way support. All right, finally, I watched. I had a late flight last night, and when I landed, the Women's World Cup was on. And thank God for the post. Thank God for the post and the fact that that ended in a draw. So they advanced. How big of a collapse and upset would that have been, even though they played a very good team? But they would have been eliminated if they lost one nothing late right before stoppage time. What's the value look like there for the U.S. women's national team? Yeah, that would have been a large upset. I believe Portugal was 12-1 to 1 to win outright and really had the opportunity to do so. And Like you mentioned, it would have eliminated the U.S., but uh, they're alive, but they're in the second position in the group. It looks like a likely opponent being Sweden. 
So that's eased their odds out. The U.S. has been sitting around five to two odds for the last couple of weeks. Now they're out to seven to two. So uh, if anyone was looking for the U.S. early on, this is the highest price that they've been at this point. Uh, but it's brought other teams back into play. This tournament's more wide open than I can ever remember a Women's World Cup being. You have England and Spain at four to one, Germany seven. Mm-hmm. Japan's looked fantastic at eight to one. Host Australia ten to one. So there's really a lot of teams in play with the struggles that the U.S. has been presenting. Uh, Jeff, as you're a wizard with golf odds here and the majors are over, as you look at what's ha- coming in front of us here, do you, you anticipate more PGA golfers are going to want to clean up the season and get a win here down the stretch in a lesser tournament to just bank a win because a lot of really good golfers have been shut out this year, and I'm looking at this upcoming tournament and some of the bigger names. What should we sp- expect here over the next couple of weeks in regards to participation from some of the top players? Well, this week we have the Wyndham Championship in North Carolina, and it's the last opportunity for these golfers to get in the playoffs. So you need to finish top 70 in the FedEx points to get in. So I think you're going to see a lot in relation to that where you might find a long-shot golfer win this week because they're on the cusp on the outside that really needs a good performance. So I would look down the odds list for someone like that. But then we progress to the three playoff events, and that's when you're going to get the return of McElroy, Scheffler, Rahm, and all the big guns, and they'll play through those three events, finish off the season, and then we have the Ryder Cup to look forward to. And and we just hung a line on that last week, and I'm really intrigued by that because both teams are really solid. They're playing it in Rome, Italy this year. Mm. You know how the European advantage is on on home soil. So uh, over the next month of golf, it's going to be fantastic leading up to football season. No no better place in Vegas to place a bet. The accommodations, the service, second to none, I repeat, the best over at the Superbook at the Westgate. Talk to you in a few weeks, Jeff. Thank you. All right. Thanks, JT. That's Jeff Sherman. Really good information. Really good, strong information if you're a gambler. So basically what he told you is the sharps, the professional gamblers, are paying the juice and they're playing the Raiders under six and a half. That's all you need to know. All you got to do is talk to a sports book director or VP of risk management to know what the value is on the Raiders. These sharp professional gamblers do not believe the Raiders will win six or seven games. They're taking the under. Six or seven games would be, that'd be tough. That's a tough year of hoeing for me on the radio here, the soil, and trying to get everybody excited around here. I'm expecting better than that. So maybe some Raider fans are going to call. No, there's no more bookies. You can do it legally on your app. But depending where you are, maybe some Raider fans just heard that interview and going to go, you know, I'm pounding the Raiders total now over the number. I think the Raiders will win seven games. It's a nice check. It's a nice payout. You throw four, five, six, eight hundred bucks, a hundred on the Raiders to win seven games. You're in it all year down to the wire. Hopefully sooner than later they get their eighth win and you're cashing a nice uh, ticket before the holidays. Maybe you're waiting till after that. I don't know. I don't bet. What's the other big question? Everybody asks me, why don't you bet, JT? Same thing. Say it with me. I live under the bridge at Town Center in the 215. My wife would bring me soup every night and a blanket, and I would not be allowed in the house. I don't gamble because I think I'm too smart, and I'm not. I think I'm too sharp, and I'm not. And I think I'm a know-it-all, and I'm not. So gambling is not good for me. But I encourage everybody other than my sons, I encourage everyone else to gamble. It makes the radio show better. It's intriguing and actually counts because you can do it legally here. Back to the Raiders, greatest wide receivers of all time. We're brought to you by the DeCastaverde Law Group. We'll kick it off again. Full hour, wide open on the phones for the wide receivers.